The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's a Thursday edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair is Brian Scott Rippey. He works for Super Talk Mississippi at BS Rippey on Twitter. And today's guest is Andrew Ritter, former Ole Miss kicker, coming up in about 15, 20 minutes. But first, Rippey is in Hoover for SEC Media Days. I didn't have to go. I was spared. You were not. How you doing, buddy? Good. Just enjoying my fifth day in scenic Hoover, Alabama. The podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there. You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. What have you learned in Hoover this week? What grand wisdom can you impart on this here podcast? I I think most people kind of understand the routine and, and what this event is now. And that it's just kind of a television event and you're really just a – I mean it's basically – 
basically a, I know there's two weeks off, but it is kind of like the college football kickoff party. It's more, it's more the event than the actual, um, the actual material, I guess, but I don't know. I thought it was interesting, you know, really, I mean, you've been here before. The only thing you really get out of it is when like the local media meets with the coach before he hits like the big room. Cause they don't say anything up on the podium. Um, I thought it was interesting that John Rice Plumlee is not playing any defense. Uh, I asked Matt Luke about that the, uh, the other day. So I think he's, he's solely working at quarterback. Um, I guess that could potentially change, but that tells me they are not sold on either of the backups from what they saw in the spring. And I can't say I blame them. I don't know if it has to do with the backups. I don't know. Like if you, if, if, if they felt good about Kincaid Den or Grant Tisdale, wouldn't you want to get that kid's athleticism in the secondary? I think it also has to do with promises made by Ole Miss in recruiting. If memory serves, his preference was to be a quarterback, and I don't know how many schools offered him that as a guarantee. They probably said, we'll try you at quarterback with the full intention of moving him to defensive back the minute he got on campus. Ole Miss promised him that, promised him that he would start at quarterback, that he was a perfect fit for Rich Rod's offense. Yeah, no, that's probably fair, and I, I would imagine that that definitely happened in the recruiting process. I just kind of found it odd there were – I mean, you may have heard similar things. I just found it odd that after he had signed, there was like a you know a couple of rumblings that that was a possibility. I just figured if he had gotten promised to be quarterback, that would kind of be they would all kind of be on message. But yeah, that's a good point. But it's also it's interesting to me because like it's I know this is Matt Corral's job and this is Matt Corral's team, but it's not like they're even proven at the starting quarterback position either, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, they're they're riding into the season with a guy that is the de facto veteran and he's played very limited time in, in four games and all of which the score was out of hand. So like they don't really have any kind of like, I don't want to say stability, but they're not proven anywhere at that position. Right. And that's the point. Matt Corral's the quote face of the program right now, but really it's by default. Ole Miss lost the most starters in the SEC on offense, returned the most starters in the SEC on defense. Matt Corral just happens to be, the person everyone is associating with Ole Miss offense because A.J. Brown is gone, D.K. Metcalf's gone, Jordan Tiamu's gone. Scotty Phillips doesn't have that personality that jumps off and allows him to be that face. Matt Corral does. So he's taken on this role by default. But he hasn't done anything. He hasn't accomplished anything on the field yet. So who's to say if Corral falters that it's not Plumlee or Tisdale or Dent? And Plumlee might be the best of the three. It doesn't hurt to have options. You want to allow yourself options for someone to step up and become the guy at their position. So Matt Corral, yes, he's the face right now. He's the guy right now, but he has to go do the job, and he hasn't done that yet. Yeah, that's what's interesting to me is they keep saying, like they're very on brand saying this is a young football team. It's really just a young offense. Like every single yeah. part, like every single starter on the two deep on this uh, You defense, can't be like, young every year. They said last year they were young. They weren't young last year. So it, it's, at some point that becomes a crutch, right? If the coaches and the players, oh, we're young. Every team is young in some respect every year. I mean, Alabama's run, running out true freshman quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs, and they still win. Not that comparing yourself to Alabama is in any way fair, but at some point the we're young excuse has to be gone. Yeah, I would agree. But it, they, I, I, to their credit, I guess, they are, they are very young offensively. Let's just say you're inexperienced. Yep, I would I would definitely agree with that. But it's interesting because defensively, literally every starter is an upperclassman, and most of the backups are now offensively. Essentially, every playmaker they have, other than Braylon Sanders and Scotty Phillips, is a freshman or a sophomore. 
and of course quarterback they're obviously very young there they got four freshman quarterbacks that's probably where most of that that line stems from but it's uh yeah I mean it's it's interesting what's interesting to me is like the offensive line issue and we I think we've talked about this before it's like it's not necessarily the the issue on the surface it's what's behind the first five because they have literally I was looking this up the other day they have one one guy in the second part of the, uh, on the second team offensive line, as it's constructed right now, that has played a snap of football on the offensive line. And that's Chandler to it. And it's like very limited. It's three freshmen to it and a converted tight end in Michael Howard. That's, that's not ideal. Jalen Cunningham played a little bit last year. I thought, I, I don't know. He was saying on his, on the website, I think he redshirted. Maybe it is. Well, Cunningham. Maybe Cunningham played a little bit. Well, you know, you can uh, play I guess, four games. I guess you can. Yeah. Yeah, I keep forgetting that rule. Yeah, he played a little bit, but you're right. That second team offensive line is horrifying if you're an Ole Miss fan. If you look at it, it's bad. And they have a lot of offensive linemen coming in with the incoming signing class, but outside of Nick Broker, there's nobody that jumps off the page that you think could immediately slide in and give them reps. I don't know who their number six offensive lineman is right now. I have no clue. That's why I think they would love for Bryce Matthews to be the sixth offensive lineman, but that would require Jalen Cunningham stepping up and being a good starter at left guard, and I don't know if he's ready for that yet. Right. I would definitely agree with that. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's not like – I mean, the odds of them having the – what, in 2012, didn't all five linemen play in every game? Like, they they, yes. they ran out the same five. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't anticipate that happening again. I would certainly would, wouldn't be banking on it, and I don't think they are. I mean, that was one of the things – it was interesting talking to Alex Givens – is like imagine being that guy where you go from you know the last two years they were extremely experienced on the offensive line. I'm sure he, he was looking around at times this offseason just be like, where do all my guys go? Like you know next to him and starting wise, I guess he he has some guys that have been in the program a while. But that that you want to talk about actual youth? That lineman room certainly got younger. I mean how how many freshmen are they bringing in? Six or seven, I think. Yeah. So like he, but he, he was kind of like. You know, I kind of feel a responsibility to get these guys ready to play because you know they're they're not naive. They know that that a few of those freshmen are going to have to play and probably have to play pretty much immediately. It's scary to think what would happen if Eli Johnson went down. Something called a Sam Plush or Plash is backing him up. <laughs> I don't think I read in his bio in the media guide. I don't think he was on scholarship last year. Yeah, I never heard of him until I was reading the two deep the other day. <laughs> And I'm not trying to be disrespectful or mean to to that kid. I just I, I didn't know who he was. I I uh I did not did not really either. But yeah, I mean, who is the? But we were we were talking about it on our podcast the other day. Like, you would assume they would probably do something about it and move someone else. But who are you moving? Like, is he is he actually? If Eli Johnson got hurt, is he going in at center? Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know who you move. I don't, ben I don't Brown. Know you, you, you might go to Ben Brown at center. And then Jalen Cunningham or Bryce Matthews at guard, or both at guard. I don't think Chandler Tewitt's the next man up at guard. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. And I, I think, like, I don't. I mean, if they stay healthy, they're fine. If they don't, they're they're screwed. In 2012, it's the best points you've made. They had the same offensive line for every single game. You know how fortunate you have to be to get away with that. Emmanuel McCray had a degenerate knee issue, and yet he started every game at left tackle. That season, he gave everything he had because once that season was over, there was no more football for Emmanuel McCray. They're not going to get away with that this year. Eli Johnson has durability issues. He's been injured almost every year, if not every year he's been at Ole Miss. 
Royce Newman, how will he hold up as a starter all year? Alex Givens has dealt with concussion issues. Somebody's going down. If not multiple people are going down, the question becomes who steps in. Hamilton Hall for Alex Givens, that's a sizable drop-off. Yeah, that's a uh, – that's – I mean, yeah, and it's that way across the board. I mean, even even Eli Johnson to Samuel Plash, you would assume, is a sizable draw. Even though Eli Johnson hasn't even played that much, but at least he's been in the program and you know been on the field. Like, talk about that drop off at center. Good lord! Anything else from Hoover? I mean, this is cliche, but I really did. I thought Corral for, you know, he got peppered with you know eighteen different versions of the same question, talking about a redshirt freshman being there. But I thought he handled himself where pretty well and like. He's actually a kid. He doesn't really give like, I mean, all those kids do coach speak to a degree, but he'll actually kind of give you an honest answer and open up a little bit. And I, I guess I found that refreshing to, to some degree. Cause you know, he was talking about how he didn't really even know, understand that that's, that was the norm for, or he was breaking the norm being an underclassman going to this thing, particularly a red shirt freshman. And, but I, I kind of relate with that in the sense or, like he he's he hasn't really felt like a freshman in a long time. I mean, Matt Luke said he's been forced into a leadership role. He's really kind of been the guy. Even last year's Tom was backup just because he was the centerpiece of Matt Luke's kind of first signing class. Like he's kind of felt like the guy in waiting for a while. That's a good point. He's only been like around he, for a year and a half. Yeah, exactly. And so I asked him, I was like, when's the last time you felt like a freshman? And he was like, my ninth grade year, my first high school football game is the last time I felt young. I was like, oh, that's uh, hmm, okay. That's interesting. I do like that he's cocky. It works for me. Yeah, no, he he is uh he's confident. It's kind of like a it it sounds so like lazy to compare to Chad Kelly, but like he has like the kind of cat Chad Kelly confidence, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Now the question is can he throw and read defenses and execute and produce like Chad Kelly? Chad yeah. Kelly's statistically the best quarterback to ever come through Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, we did we do you know typical summer radio segment. We're putting together a, an all Mississippi football team, and I kind of did a spinoff of that on our podcast. Just like did you know the best? I didn't even necessarily want to put together a team, but I just wanted to have the conversation of like the best players at each position. And I put Chad Kelly as number one. I mean, I, I under, like that makes probably some You're old young. people mad. You're but young, yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, that guy was probably the best football player I've ever seen at Ole Miss. I mean, that guy was unbelievable. Just by numbers, yes, Chad Kelly. But Eli Manning had, let's think, Tremaine Turner at running back. Chris Collins was his number one wide receiver. Tay Biddle, who dropped everything. Mike Espy was great. Um, tight end was Doug Ziegler, maybe? That's exactly who it was. Offensive line was loaded up. Doug Buckles, all those guys. I think uh, Marcus Johnson, Belton Johnson. The talent was different for Chad Kelly. Let's not pretend like he didn't have more at his disposal is all I'm saying. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Just for me, Kelly, the the you know fifteen be damned. It's it's sixteen. Sixteen for me yeah. is what kind of I guess puts me biased because what they asked him to do, which was quite literally everything, and what he was able to produce with that kind of team and really that kind of defense on the other side of it was just remarkable to watch. No, that's fair. Twenty fifteen, he just had to steer the ship. Twenty sixteen, it sucks that he got injured. He was just having a historic year. It was the Chad Kelly show. It was all him. Yeah, there wasn't a team in the country that year that asked one player to do more no. than he did. No, he was everything. And he was doing it. He was actually holding up his end. Yeah, that's the thing. He was, I mean, the, 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 the play that always comes to mind is me just – like I remember standing down there. That poor dude, they were playing Alabama, but they'd blown the big lead. They couldn't get a stop for anything. He like broke away from two sure sacks, like threw the ball across his body to – 
I can't remember if it was Brown or Treadwell in the end zone that gave them the opportunity to recover or to try to recover an onside kick, or maybe they kicked it deep after that. I don't remember. I was just like, this guy looks gassed. It just had to throw it like 40 yards across his body. And then he did it. Like he just did it. I mean, they scored like it was, it was, it was crazy to watch the deal with Chad Kelly. It's never been about the talent. If he can just stay walking straight, keep one foot in front of the other, he can perform. He's an NFL starting quarterback. He was about to be one. I think I, when that when that Vaughn Miller party thing happened, you know, he gets hit with the vacuum yeah, cleaner or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was probably two weeks away tops. Keenum was awful last year. Man, he really screwed that up. It'd be hard to go to an NFL party and not have fun, get hammered. But every single person needs that guy or girl beside them that tells them to stop. The stop sign person. The it's time to go home person. Chad never had that. Instead, he ended up in a stranger's home wearing a Woody from Toy Story outfit on Halloween. Yeah, that's usually a tough, tough play. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone walking into the wrong house and it ending well for him. Well, Rippy, you and I have had an experience together. <laughs> so let's not let's not go too crazy here. Yeah, we, we have, but we didn't end up in anyone else's house, which is good. No, but you ended up in a bar and disappearing. I did. I did. I'm uh, very, very good at the Irish goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one day in the distant, distant future, we're going to have to sit down and tell that story. Now, I myself was having to play the sober person while under the influence of alcohol. So, of course, I ended up getting mad and pushing Rippy. It was, it, was, it was a fun night. It was fun. I had a lot going on in my head back then. That was, a, uh, that was, a, that was an interesting time. It was interesting fun. Interesting week. It was okay. Yeah, it- it was okay. Ole Miss was in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2015. We were having a good time. It doesn't matter. Um, but as far as non-Ole Miss stuff in Hoover, anything stuck out to you? We'll get right back to Rippy. But first, let me tell you about the Oxford Park Commission and Cheney's Pharmacy. The Oxford Park Commission is currently registering for youth flag football in the fall baseball season. Leagues are open for ages 6 to 12 in football and 6 to 15 in baseball. Cost to sign up for football is $50 it's just $40 for baseball. Each sport will be played at FNC Park. For more details, visit www.oxfordparkcommission.com. That's www.oxfordparkcommission.com. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I mean, I think it's that, I don't know if you saw this, and I didn't pay a ton of attention to it yesterday, but the Saban's comments were interesting about how he basically, I don't really know, like I'd like to go back and listen to him say it instead of read a transcript, but like he basically kind of blamed their struggles on the end of last year to his assistant coaches looking at other jobs and not being focused. And like, you know, that's some summarizing what he said, but that's essentially what he pinned it on. And it's been interesting to watch Alabama is like, and some of it I, I would kind of relate to because they, you know, when's the last time Alabama's beaten 44 to 16? Like they, they've never been in this position before, but they just really can't admit that they got beaten by a better football team. And it's been interesting to watch. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the last time Alabama's gotten beaten by a team that's quote better than them. 
yeah, so if you're trying to handle something that, like, you know, has literally never been the case before, you're probably going to have a hard time admitting that that was the case. Now, they did, they were beaten by a better football team, but I can kind of like empathize with the fact that them not being able to spit that out. The SEC needs Alabama to stop being Alabama. It's about to hit the problem of the NBA for a couple of years with the Warriors to where when it's the same result every single time, at some point oh. you have to have parity. I don't know how you get there outside of Nick Saban just leaving. The SEC has an Alabama problem now. Yeah, no, 100%. And like, you know, it's, it's just a smaller degree of what's really going on in college football, right? I mean, it's Alabama, Clemson, you know, occasionally Ohio State and Oklahoma, and that's that's really – obviously Georgia's kind of made the SEC a two-team league and added a little bit of parity nationally, or at least a little bit more than it had. But, yeah, it's 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 an issue. And I would say the fatigue and the repetitiveness is has, has already kind of well set in. I, I think it's been that way for a couple of years now because it's – you know, when's the last time you talked about who's winning the West? It's just Alabama every year. A little Hugh Freeze thorn in the side mixed in. The, the conversation turns to – it's Alabama. Or who can dethrone Alabama? Who's the number two team that, if everything falls right, they can challenge Alabama? There's never a, oh, here's the number one competing with Alabama. That's not the deal anymore. Yes, yeah, problem is, is that the the team that's becoming that other team is plays in the SEC East. I mean, poor joke. You, I don't really imagine Kirby Smart got peppered with questions here all about Alabama naturally because you know whatever that ridiculous stat is where they've you know, played 119 minutes or 120 minutes in those two games. And Georgia has led or been tied for 118 and a half of those minutes. and has two losses. Yeah. Georgia is the only team that can compete and they can't beat Alabama. It's, they're there. They just throw up on themselves. I mean, it, it becomes a coaching. Game. Everybody does. Of, Everybody does against Alabama. Yep. It's, it's crazy. Except for Dabo. Yeah. yeah. Well, what have you done? Have you entertained yourself pretty well in Hoover? Uh, I mean, you know how Hoover goes. If you, if you like drinking at chain restaurants, this, uh, this is the city for you, but we, yeah. uh, we, um, it's basically been the, the classic on tap or some other restaurant yeah. and then to Gabriel's, which is that like, is, is it proper to call it a dive bar? It's like cigs inside. It's dark. It's a pool hall. A, yeah. It's basically a pool hall just with two, two tables. Um, so we've done that a couple of times last night. Honestly, we were, there were a few of us out there and it felt like the, uh, I know Stakey said this thing is eventually going to come back here. They're going to keep a rotation, but it kind of felt like the last two raw. Because I do you really see this thing coming back here when they put this thing in Atlanta and Nashville. No, no, no. exactly. So kind of, it almost felt like a going away party. Let me take a moment to shed a tear for Hoover losing SEC media days. I'm devastated. I'm so sad. He says sarcastically. <laughs> it's like it's like the, it's a convenience factor to some degree, not oh, necessarily yeah. for, for really not necessarily for us. Because like you know, you're talking four hours versus like three uh, when you're talking about Nashville, Atlanta, a little further. But like for other people, it's a convenience thing. But I don't know. I think it'll be interesting when it's when's in Atlanta, the last Nashville. time you truly learned something, or you felt like your time wasn't wasted by going to SEC media days and over. See, I've only done this twice. Because well, there you go. When I was in college, you're not jaded yet. Yeah, no, I, I get like what people are saying. Like it's it's not you don't have to be here very long to understand kind of the futility of the exercise. But I was just always like I was doing an internship or working during the summer during school and doing something else. So, like the only other time I came here is for a day trip. So I'm not exactly experienced at this event, but I, I get why. I, I get what people are talking about. There's there's not a whole lot you get done. It's just – it's much like the, the, the food scene here. It's just stuff. You're there to put out stuff. 
like it's not really have much depth in it. It's I don't, just, I don't know if people really pay attention to it either. Quite frankly, you, you go out over there and you work your tail off and you write some stuff and you do some radio interviews. I don't know what the numbers would even be for those, but that's neither here nor there. I haven't gone the last couple of years. It's been glorious. I had gone for a decade straight to not go anymore is awesome. I have been telling myself and committing myself to go into the coaches' meetings, coaches and ADs meetings in Destin. And I say this every year Hoover comes around, every year when SEC Media Day is time, I say, I'm not going to Media Days. I'm going to go to the coaches' convention. So let's go to that. Let's finally fulfill my promise of going there. That's in Destin. So you got the beach, and that's become what SEC Media Days used to be. You have all this access to people, and it's more intimate, and you actually get to ask some questions. Let's go to that. Our uh, our dear friend Parrish Offord is he kind of swears by that and he hasn't even gone to it the last couple of years but he he made the exact same point you did where you you have more access it's more intimate and the guys the coaches from what I understand are more inclined to let their guard down because you know they walk into this room now with you know five hundred media members sitting there they're not going to tell you anything no ACC Media Days has gotten too big this is Talk of Champions I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter he's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy on Twitter he works for Super Talk Mississippi. Where can they listen to your podcast? Anywhere you find podcasts. It's called the Rubble Report. Apple, iTunes, Podcast, SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcast, you can you can find it. Same thing goes for Talk of Champions. Just simply search Talk of Champions in SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever. Subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes, and make sure to leave a five-star review. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to former Ole Miss kicker Andrew Ritter. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org www.modernwoodman.org That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line, Andrew Ritter, former Ole Miss kicker. He's on the road. He's a busy man. What you doing now, Andrew? How you been? Man, I'm good, Ben. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm, I live in Jackson. Been married now for five years and I got a little baby girl. Uh, she's five and a half months old so uh man life is good i work for a bucket machinery um out of jackson i do outside sales so i just burn up the roads man so i appreciate you bringing me on the line and uh and it's a good time for me as i'm on the road man thanks for having me it's funny i'm a dad of girls too it's a different world oh man i i can tell you know my father-in-law always told me um he said you know, he, he always wanted to have a girl because his, his mom had told him that a son will grow up and he leaves and goes and marries off, and but a daughter will always be daddy's girl. So I remember that just resonated with me. I was like, man, I really want to have a little girl. And uh, the Lord blessed us, and we have a healthy baby girl, and 
it has lived up to the expectations. I mean, that girl has me wrapped around her finger already, and I can't imagine how much worse it's going to get as she just continues to get older and get more personality. So we're we're very blessed, man. She's awesome. I wanted two girls. That was my plan. Two girls. I'm good. I'm done. But now my oldest is going to turn seven in September. My youngest turned three in June. And all I can think to myself is, man, I really want a boy. It doesn't seem that long ago you were kicking a field goal against LSU in 2013, and yet now you're married off, you're working, you got a baby girl. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, life has definitely changed a whole lot, and it's hard to believe that was uh, almost six years ago. So time is flying by, but things have turned out you know, well for, for us, and, and we're, we're blessed. And we miss, uh, definitely miss football and, and, and miss you know, being able to play and, and miss being able to be in those pressure situations like that. But I tell you what, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to go through Paul Jackson workouts anymore. <laughs> man. I, I, I really am. He, he, is, uh, he is good at getting you in shape. There's no question about it. So how often are you approached and talked to about football? Does that still happen for you? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. Um, my first few years out of college, it was just nonstop, uh, you know, and it still is with certain folks. Um, you know, a lot of the times it gets brought up, especially if I'm being introduced to somebody, it's just kind of a, ends up becoming a topic of conversation. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I chose to live in Mississippi. You know, it's my home. Um, I'm proud to be from here. Uh, I'm proud to have gone to Ole Miss and, and played at Ole Miss, so I, I just I love it. I love being able to talk about it. You know, football is just in everybody's blood down here, so it doesn't matter if it's a Ole Miss fan or a state fan or, or whoever. Um, we all have a common ground to be able to talk football, so it's 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 a fun conversation piece. There's no question, but it, people definitely don't talk about it as much as they used to. You know, they they can forget about you pretty quick. So, but I tell you what, Ben, I'm glad that kick went in. Um, I'd probably live in Alaska. I'd be as far away from football as possible. So I'm thankful to the good Lord that it went in and I can have a positive conversation about football. How the hell y'all beat that team? It goes beyond me. They had Zach Mettenberger. Oh, my God. Jeremy Hill, Jarvis Landry, ODB. I think Ole Miss had a number of starters out on defense. You had some freshmen and sophomores playing, hadn't played all year. Um, and then it came down to the kick. How did y'all beat that team? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and uh, you know we were we were just extremely motivated. Those kids came into that game. You know, we have like seven starters down on the defense, and so you got these young guys coming in and, and having to step up against, especially in the defensive backfield. They're having to come in and and guard Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, two of the top receivers in the NFL, and may end up being two of the top receivers of all time. Um, they're having to cover these guys, and so. Our guys just were out there. They were motivated. They weren't scared. I mean, they just played their their guts out. And they went three. We picked off Zach Mettenberger three times. You know, Bo Wallace played an unbelievable game. I mean, that last drive, I'll never forget. It was like third and 12 or third and 14. And Bo hits Jamez Logan to convert. Um, You know, I just – so many kids stepped up in that game and made huge plays. Um especially on the defensive side of the football. And then the offense leading down the field on that last drive, uh, you know, Ben, it was just kind of one of those deals where you dream of having that situation and being in that circumstance of being able to kick a – have an opportunity to kick a game on a field goal. But, um, you know, the thought process going through my mind was like, man, 
I can't miss this kick. Like, aside from just beating LSU and aside from all that it would mean to me and, and, and the team and, and our fans, like, our team has played their hearts out. And our kids have played above any expectation probably anybody would have ever had for them. And so if I had messed that up, um, it just would have been wrong, man. I mean, it just would have been terrible. So I had some serious conversations with the good Lord as we drove down the field. And uh, I'm grateful that uh, that he blessed me and, and it went in. And I'm really grateful for our team because they deserve to win that football game. So, you know, I only had a, a small piece in that game um, and being able to kick that field goal. And I, and I made one earlier in the game and I had one blocked earlier in the game. So, you know, that I really needed to make that kick for, for that team and, and for that those fans, man. So I'm very grateful that it went in. How sweaty were the palms? How nervous were you when you were setting up for it? Man, that's a, that's a funny question. You know, I I didn't know if I was going to have a heart attack or if I was just going to pass out. I didn't know what was <laughs> going to happen. You know, the, 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 the feeling in my body is uh, you can't replicate it. I, I really can't describe it. It was just... But in the back of my mind, it it was everything I'd ever hoped for and dreamed of. And as a kicker, you put yourself in that position, or you try to, in your head, when you're laying in the bed, when you're driving down the road, when you're in practice, you try to put yourself in that position and think of what it would be like. Um, and, and really, you know, all those thoughts I had weren't anywhere even close to what what it actually ended up being like. But it was it was just a really cool experience and. Um, something obviously I'll never ever forget and uh, you know and never uh, never not be thankful for you know to be able to be in that kind of pressure and, and it come through it was just it was just a huge blessing man it was something that I truly dreamed of as a kid and it exceeded any expectation I could have ever had so uh, it, it was an incredible experience that's what I was going to say you come from an old Miss family you grew up like most of us did around this state uh, that grew up in Ole Miss families to where LSU, there was something different about beating LSU, something more special, even compared to teams like Mississippi State, who's considered the rival. So what was the celebration like afterwards? First on the field with the players and your teammates, and then secondly, in the Grove with the family, what was the celebration like? Oh, uh, yeah, man, uh, you hit the nail on the head. So I, I grew up in, in Jackson, and my my dad and mom went to Ole Miss. My sister went to Ole Miss. My grandfather went to Ole Miss on both sides. My uh, my great grandfather was a sports writer, Carl Walters. He he covered Ole Miss, and he was uh, he dropped out of school in eighth grade to work and help his family. But he ended up becoming a sports writer, and Ole Miss ended up giving him declaring him an honorary alumnus, I believe. So technically, he didn't graduate, but technically, I'm a fourth generation. Ole Miss grad with him having that honorary alumnus status. So, you know, Ole Miss is in my DNA. It's in my blood. And, and I grew up as a kid. We would drive up Saturday mornings to Ole Miss games, me and dad. And um, we sat with my dad's first cousin, um, who I consider to be my uncle. And, uh, man, we just, that's what we did on Saturdays. And, and I grew up seeing my dad and my grandfather and and just hearing about the Ole Miss LSU rivalry, we didn't miss an Ole Miss LSU game, and we were going to them every year. And so I grew up as a kid early on, developing this dream of wanting to play for Ole Miss. And um, I originally wanted to be a wide receiver and you know be like Bill Flowers, and just be you know Mr. Consistent, catch the ball, and 
Uh, but I realized really quick I wasn't very fast. I couldn't jump very high. But I, fortunately, the God blessed me with a, a gift of being able to kick a ball. So that became my dream was to kick for Ole Miss. And I, so when I laid in bed as a kid, man, I was dreaming about kicking a game winner against LSU because that's kind of what I grew up around. You know, that being our, that knowing that was our big rival, seeing that from my dad and my grandfather. So. And all that was going in the back of my mind when it came into that kick of that being everything I'd ever hoped for and dreamed for. So when it actually happened, um, man, I immediately was just thinking about my family and, and thinking about I can't wait to see them and celebrate with them. And, you know, my mom and dad were in tears and my grandmother and grandfather were back home crying, um, you know, in front of their TV. So it was just really special. So being able to celebrate with my teammates, with the fans on the field, and then go in the locker room, but then to be able to leave – that environment and go, you know, get hugs from my mom and dad and, and my wife now, who's my fiance at the time, and to have voicemails from my grandmother and my grandfather. Uh, it was just, it was just incredible, you know, for us all to be able to experience that together. So it was fun. My, uh, we went back, we went straight to my house with my parents and then uh, my my parents and my fiance at the time and our wife and, and my roommates or my teammates and their parents, we all went straight to the library. So we had a it was one of the most incredible days of my life, but to be able to experience it with those people who had such an impact in my life, and, and uh, it, it was incredible. It just, you can't put a price tag on it. I would hope there's at least a little bit of a window to where if you walked into a bar or a restaurant in Oxford for a little bit of time, that you wouldn't have to pay for a drink or a meal, that you did get hooked up. <laughs> Man, it's funny. They they don't know who kickers are or care about them. So uh, I, oh, I no. may have gotten a free meal. <laughs> I, I may have gotten a free meal or two here and there, but I, you know, it's it's nothing. I definitely don't go back now and get a free beer or a free free meal. I promise you that. We're we're paying for it wherever we go. There's no question. The life of a kicker is lonely, Andrew. <laughs> hey, I, I'm grateful for my my punters and my long snappers, man. We. We we hang together. We hung together pretty tight. There's no question. We we were on our own a little bit, but man, I, well, we had a great group, so we were grateful for it. What would be your advice to Luke Logan if he were this season to come up with a kick like that, setting up and having to make a game winner? What would the advice be? We'll get right back to Andrew Ritter, former Ole Miss kicker. But first, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, it takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. And I can already hear it. I can hear your first question. What's a traditional neighborhood? A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops all within walking distance of your front door. How many times has it happened? You're trying to relax, have a nice afternoon by yourself. You open the refrigerator and immediately you get that sense of doom and gloom because you have to go to the grocery store and that means a three hour trek across town. When you live at the Lamar, the grocery store is but a quick breezy walk from your front door. But what about the houses? I walk through them. They're custom high-end spec houses, beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. I myself was blown away. 
I told John, John, this is where I want to live. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build out is happening. Get your spot. Secure your place. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. 662-23-HOMES. And now, back to Talk of Champions. Well, you know, Lucas, he's he's such a good kicker, man. I mean, he's he's more talented than I, I was, and he's um he's got such good experience under his belt. If Luke's in that position, I have no doubt he's going to drill it. But, I mean, the only advice you, advice you can really give somebody is just to trust your fundamentals and just trust yourself and trust your team. that The snap's going to be there, the hole's going to be there, and your, your line's going to block. You know, I mean, my advice is soak up the moment. Um, understand that that's, that's something you've dreamed of as a kicker and, and just trust in your fundamentals that, that, that you'll hit a good ball. And, and you know, Luke, like I said, I mean, he's just he's a stud, and he's going to have a great year. Um, he's got two more years left, so I expect him to have another two great years and to do really well for this football team. What's your relationship like with Luke? So I don't um, – it, it's not like Luke and I talk often, but when Luke was in high school, I actually got to kick with him. Um, my, my in-laws are from Hattiesburg, so – and Luke went to PCS, so I was I was be down there with my in laws, and we got connected, and we, we got to kick some. And man, I, I knew immediately he was uh, he was really good. I, I I was the color commentator for the JA Raiders for a few years, so when JA would play PCS, I got to watch him too and call his games. And I think he hit a fifty, you know, I hit a fifty-seven yarder against JA or fifty-five yarder or something stupid, and just bombed it. And I knew immediately that kid had. Um, he had the talent to do really well at the next level. And so we don't really keep in touch, but I do see him uh, in Oxford from time to time and, and we visit and kind of catch up, but he, man, he's just a good kid. He's a hard worker. That's something I've always uh, seen uh, immediately when I met him. And uh, so he, man, I think he has what it takes. He heck, he, he might even end up kicking on Sundays. He, he really, he's got that good of a leg and he's got that kind of potential. What's uh, recruiting like for kickers? I, it's not the same as a quarterback or a running back. No, you're just praying somebody calls, man. I mean, uh, the seasons go on, and you're kind of at the bottom of the totem pole, and so you're just hoping and praying that the phone will ring or that you get a letter. And uh, I know some kickers out there, they end up getting scholarships from everywhere, but most, most of us just get a couple if we're lucky. Um, so – especially for a guy like Luke and for a guy like me where I think Luke was in the same boat. Both of our dreams were to kick for Ole Miss. So we um, – I remember I had some offers from some other schools, but it, it wasn't like these other kids who are just getting recruited like crazy. And a lot of these schools kind of expect you to walk on. Um, but, you know, fortunately things worked out for the both of us and we ended up going to Ole Miss. But it's not the lavish recruitment like it is for some of these kids, I promise. Yeah, how do you get noticed? Do you have to go to camps and stuff? There are a lot of kickers out there, but they operate in yeah. relative obscurity. So how do you get noticed then in recruiting? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I, my recruiting was completely non-existent until I started going to these camps. And, you know, all these other skill positions, they have, you know, little combines and seven-on-sevens and camps they can go to to get exposed and – uh 
you know, we didn't really have that, but we had some some of these college camps were put on by these big kicking coaches like Chris Saylor and Coles Kicking, and um, those guys have a tremendous network. So I think, from my experience, a lot of these coaches have relationships with Coles Kicking or Chris Saylor or these other guys that are out there, and they um, they lean on those coaches, those uh, kicking coaches, to find players. And so I started going to these college camps in between my junior and senior year. Me and Dad just we burn up the roads, going to uh, going to see going to kicking these camps and just trying to get somebody to notice you. And fortunately, Chris Saylor um, he noticed me and, and invited me to his top 12 camp in LA. And that's kind of when my recruiting picked up and I started getting noticed um, was because he was putting my name out there and and, and put me online you know, putting my stats online, putting my video online. So that that's when it kind of took off. I'm sure it's a little different now, but I think it's still the same. You've got to go to those camps. If you don't go to those camps, nobody's going to notice you because that's where the coaches are looking to find the players. How do you ingrain yourself with the team? Uh, you're not a part of practice every single day. Y'all are off to the side kicking. So how do you yeah. ingrain yourself in the team, in the team culture, and have that relationship like everybody else we unfortunately had we had some really good teammates, man. We had some good leaders on the team, and um, we're together so much. And, and actual football practice is such a little part of it, you know. I mean, during practice, those two hours a day it was in season, two to three hours in season, is actually such a small window of all the time we actually spend together. So yeah, we go to the stadium or we go to the. IPF or the, or the practice fields, wherever the team was it, so we could get away from them and, and have room to get our kicking in. Um, and we weren't getting hit and all that, which, you know, the, the, our teammates let us know that we, 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 they were well aware that we weren't getting hit all day like they were. But uh, we were going through all the workouts with the team. We're doing tutors with the team. We're in all the meetings um, with the team. Most of us live together. So, I mean, man, when you just spend that much time with somebody, I don't care what position you are, I don't care if you're a equipment manager or a trainer, you just form a really close bond. And uh, and I was grateful that our teammates uh, treated us very well and really we all got along really well. So, uh, man, it was an incredible experience. I mean, my roommate was a linebacker. Um, I hung out with all the guys all the positions and, you know, they knew my role was different. Uh, it was I was kicking a ball, and I knew their role was different. But they treated me like a teammate and a brother, and that's that's all I could ask for. And, and I think all my other uh, kickers, my other specialists, would probably say the exact same thing. Do kickers ever get to pick their number? No, that's a <laughs> great question, and it's something I'm very angry about, man. You think I would have picked ninety-six, man? No, like Mac uh-huh. Brown, Mac Brown. Um, on Wednesday was named uh, a nominee for the 2019 AFCA Good Works team, and he's wearing 96. And yeah, I went, oh, yeah. well, there's Ritter's number. So apparently they just give you all the late 90s numbers. Man, it's so funny. When I got to Ole Miss, I remember telling somebody, I knew I wouldn't get to pick my number, but I, I told people, I said, I will be fine with anything as long as it's not in the 90s. Like, I'm good with 80s. I'm good with 40s, 30s, whatever. As long as I don't get something in the 90s, I'll be fine. And our punter, Tyler Campbell, was saying the same thing. Well, we get our numbers, and I'm number 96, and he's number 97, you know. So uh, we did not get a pick. We get on to Ken Crane about that. I 
still have to give Ken some great, uh, some grief about it. But um, I mean, once I settled in the 96, you know, I, I wasn't going to change it. And to be honest with you, Ben, man, I was just grateful to be there. So if I had to deal with a 90s number, that's the least of my worries. I was just grateful to be a part of it. If you could have picked your number, what would the number have been? Number nine. There's no question about Ooh. it. I was uh, I was number nine in, in high school, and I just, man, that's my number. It's my lucky number. So, um, But, hey, that those days are over. On church softball, maybe I can be number nine. But uh, for the Ole Miss Rebels, I was 96. You had nine in a way. You had nine in the front, yeah, nine I upside down. Nine. That's true. Yeah. That, that's a great point. Yeah, depending on the way the jersey was, if I was upside down on my back or something, you know, yeah, you're right. What kind of receiver would you have been? Man, I'm a uh, possession receiver. I, I've got some great I'm shocked. I'm shocked, the, Andrew. <laughs> throw me the fade, and I'm coming down with it. Um, at least that's the way it was. Uh, and, and that's the way I remember it, to say the least. Did you ever get to show off the receiver skills in practice with the team? Man, you don't know how much convincing we tried to do to, to get something, whether it was a, you know, the holder rolling out to the left and I'm, I'm running around, uh, the holder rolling out to the right, excuse me, and I'm running out to the left and him putting his foot in the ground and throwing me the deep ball. And we just, for whatever reason, never could convince the coach to try it. I, don't, I mean, it obviously was not our athleticism um, that was preventing him from, from doing that. For some reason, he, he wouldn't it wouldn't allow us to try it. But we tried, man, and it never seemed to uh, convince the coach that we needed to actually try the game. I can't remember the last time Ole Miss ever really tried something daring or creative with special teams. I guess you're right. I, I don't really remember a fake. Um, There's not one of my recollections. I mean, I of course, I always think of when I think of fakes, I think of LSU throwing it behind, the holder throwing it over his head to Colt David and him running it in against Florida, and so or throwing it through his legs to the uh, to the kicker or a direct snap to the kicker. The kickoff kicker takes off up the middle. I remember seeing those things, and and we always dreamed of being able to try that in the game, but. Honestly, Ben, it's probably a good thing we never tried it. I, I guarantee you it wouldn't have fared as well. We like to think it would have, but I, these coaches know what they're doing a lot more than, than we did. Ole Miss football coming off a 5-7 and seven season. Now can go to a bowl, lost a lot on offense, most returning starters on defense. You're an Ole Miss fan. You pay attention to it. It's still close to your heart. What are your thoughts on Ole Miss, Matt Luke being the head coach? Can they win six games? Yeah, man. Uh, I we definitely can win six games. It's we definitely lost a lot of talent, but you know I think we're going to be really well coached. I'm excited about Coach Luke. Really a big fan of Coach Luke, and I'm excited to see these coordinators in their roles. So we're going to have some guys. Um, but not we're not going to have as much experience on the offensive side of the football. But we are going to have a lot of experience on that defensive side of the ball. But I just think, man, you know you get a these coordinators in and Matt Luke do motivate this team the way I know he's capable of motivating them. You know, these kids really could do something special and achieve more um, than people may give them credit for. I remember when Hugh Freeze came in, man, we didn't have the talent to go win six games. Uh, we, we definitely didn't. The year before that, we went two and ten. 
we were not the most talented team at all. I mean, you, we, we probably, I mean, we were probably the least talented team in the SEC. There's no question. But you had got, we were motivated, we were well coached, and we played above expectations. And we ended up going six and six, and actually ended up winning the bowl game and going seven and six. So, uh, you know, I definitely think this team is capable of that. I think Matt Luke and this staff is capable of, that, of getting that out of them. And, and Paul Jackson, he's going to – Paul Jackson can change the mindset of an individual. I mean, he is incredible at what he does. I, I really think we have an opportunity to uh, exceed expectations. But, you know, these first few games are going to play a huge role in that. Starting off at Memphis, that's not a gimme. But if we can go out and win that game – um, and end up beating Arkansas after that. You know, we might end up scratching out six, man. I, I'm I'm excited to watch them. This time of year, I get bored to death. I'm tired of talking football. I'm ready to actually watch it. So um, it's it's on the horizon, and it can't get here quick enough. Which team was more talented, this team or the first team of Hugh Freeze? Because that first team for Hugh Freeze, no one had any expectations whatsoever. Yeah, um, that's, that's a good question. I, I think – I don't know which team's more talented or less talented. Um, I do know that we have some talented guys on this football team. You know, the co- Coach Luke's been recruiting his tail off, and it seems to have done pretty well the last couple of years. So I expect I, ex- I would expect this team to be more talented than that team was, um, I guess that was, what, seven years ago or so? God. I know, man. Time's flying. But that would be my guess. You know, time will definitely tell. Uh, but I, I'm excited, man. You know, just these coordinators, I think, are going to do a great job. And, and Matt Luke will have these boys ready to play. I think he, he definitely will. There's no doubt about it. He's Andrew Ritter, former Ole Miss kicker. It's been a while since he's been at Ole Miss. I can't believe that. I feel really old now. But thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Fun stuff. We'll talk again. Man, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. That was former Ole Miss kicker Andrew Ritter. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Brian Scott Rippey. Talk of Champions brought to you by BNA Bank. I don't know about you, but I want my banking made simple. And I certainly want to trust the people who've got my money. Well, if you're like me, BNA Bank is where you need to go. Maybe you're a student just starting out. You don't know much about personal banking or business banking, loan services. Well, I tell you who does. BNA Bank, be it Mike Staten, Bo Collins, Vance Witt. My buddy Bob Spencer. These are friends of the podcast. Ole Miss fans, sure, but more importantly, they care about you. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make sure that your banking experience is done flawlessly, comfortably, and with trust and respect. With a five-star rating from Bauer Financial and an excellent rating from Weiss Ratings, BNA Bank is recognized as one of the strongest financial institutions in the country. But where can you find them? How about bnabank.com? Or give them a call, 662-534-8171, 662-534-8171. BNA's main office and two branch offices are located in New Albany, my hometown, with another branch located in Myrtle, two branches in Tupelo and Lee County, Mississippi, and one loan production office in Oxford. Where you put your money matters. And the only place to put your money, the only place that Ben Garrett puts his money, is BNA Bank. So check them out, bnabank.com, 662-534-8171. There's no other place. They've helped me. They'll help you. Tell them Ben Garrett of Talk of Champions sent you. And now, back to Talk of Champions. All right, Ribby, before we get out of here, what are you working on? I am working on – you ever have one of those stories where you literally just can't get the thing finished? It's yes. like you had a good idea that you have a terrible time digesting yes. it. I do that all I the do- time. Whenever I do those long-form stories and I get to writing them, I get mad at myself – 
and always say, why did you do this? I'm never doing this. You're never doing this again. You can't do this anymore. It's terrible. No one reads it. And then you get the response from it once you're done, once you've killed yourself. And you go, oh, okay, well, that was worth it. And then you do it again. I'm I'm squarely, squarely in the middle of that. And it's got even more worse over the last couple years where I can't convince my – like I just can't finish it. Uh, but anyway, it's a story. I talked to Anthony Offord and Sinquest Golson just about the challenges of playing two sports in college, given that Plumlee and Ely are going to try to do it. And they offered a couple interesting perspectives because, you know, Offord did the college football pro ball thing. And then Golson, of course, tried to play both college sports. So they kind of had two varying paths as to how they did it. But so trying to finish that, I'm hoping it gets out today. Um, if I'm being honest with myself, it's probably going out tomorrow. You and I are very similar. We're notorious procrastinators. Oh, it's bad. And it's not even like just put, it's not even procrastinating putting the legwork. It's just getting the like whenever unless you have like a very clear idea of how you want the story to go, it's just incredibly hard putting the pieces together. Even when you have an idea, it's hard. When I did that long form oral history of the hiring of Kermit Davis as Ole Miss head coach, I had all of these quotes and I sat down with all these people for like 30 minutes apiece. But transcribing those interviews was brutal. Once I transcribed them, and I kept putting it off and putting it off. But once I transcribed them, putting it together was rather easy, just organizing it and trimming it. But the, the process of getting to writing or getting to structuring, that's what sucks for me. I'm oh, a big I, believer in why do today what you can do tomorrow. That's the procrastinator's creed. Words to live by, man. I know exactly what yeah. you mean. It's just hard kind of like weaving, like particularly with something like this where you're trying to like – tell two different guys stories to like basically be like, yeah, these, what these other kids are going to go through. It's just hard to like make it organized and concise. What is Anthony Offord doing? I mean, is he up with the blue Jays or is he still triple a he's uh, I, I was like, I would call him a four a guy, but like he got up in 17 yeah. and hasn't really been back up since. So he's uh he's in triple a, um, along with former Ole Miss rebel, Jacob Waggispack, who's now up with the blue yes. Jays. Um, and pitching quite well, but it's interesting just starting They're the year. They're using him as an I, opener. Yeah, and he's really good. He always had great stuff. That guy signed an undrafted free agent contract, which is kind of uh, kind of nuts. But what it was interesting to me is like I guess if you think about it, opening day the uh, Buffalo Bison had offered Waggis Pack and Vlad Jr. on the same roster. That's pretty good. Not bad. No. Vladdy hits bombs. Did you watch the home run derby? Yeah, he is awesome. He won yeah, it in my great. mind. I don't hate Pete Alonzo. I think he's a good dude, but like, it, the, I'll always remember that home run derby for Vlad, not Alonzo. Yeah. Now, Ronald Acuna Jr. had the best showing because he was hitting home runs to all parts of the field. He had 25 bombs, was four short of Vladdy's 29, but his 25 came not just poolside. He was going oppo taco like it was nothing dead center. Ronnie had the best run. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. I'd actually like them to see reward guys maybe with like a home run and a half if you go oppo. Because all these dudes yeah. are trying to yake it and hit it as hard as you can. And That's Acuna's, all Vladdy did. Oh, which is incredible to watch. But also having Acuna in there kind of spraying it to all fields it was, was a nice change of pace. I love the new structure of the home run derby. But this year exposed the one flaw in the system. It, it should be total home runs once you get to the final two. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I 100% agree with that. Like you do the bracket style thing, and then when I get to the finals, just whoever has less home runs just has to catch up with that guy. Like, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and Vladdy can pad his lead if he has to. The dude hit 30 bombs around, and he lost. That's absurd. 
Yeah, he just got exhausted too because he had to do that. He had to do the Jock Peterson deal where that thing, you know, went into three extra things, and yes. he was just gassed by the end of it. He should have still won by total home runs. Head to head doesn't make any sense once you get to the finals. I love whittling it down that way, but yeah, you ever competed in a home run derby, Rippy? You don't look like a home uh, run derby type of dude. No, I struggle with getting the ball to the fence, much less over the fence. And man, that's not a that's not a good weakness to have in a home run derby. No. Tyler Keenan participated in the college home run derby. Had a good showing. Really he good. did. I didn't watch that. I heard he did really well there. Did really well. I was surprised he did better than Thomas Dillard did. I thought Thomas Dillard was perfect for the home run derby. And oh, yeah, that run. long, powerful swing. Yeah. I, uh, I I 100% agree. Which Ole Miss baseball player will they most miss next year? Ooh. Um, My answer would surprise you. I'm trying to think about this. Houston Roth. Yeah, I, uh, I I think that's exactly actually where I was going too because particularly – well, so I was thinking about it two ways. If they're going to miss, I think, not having the, the not having the dominant Friday night guy, which I think Nikhazy can be, but not being able to have the luxury to keep Nikhazy on Saturday, I just have a hard time going with Roth because I think if this team sucks, it's because it doesn't hit. And so I'm, I was just kind of trying to figure out which hitter they're going to miss and – I, isn't it Kessinger? Probably. Like he, he was the most – if you're talking about a bat that they're going to miss the most – I mean he was the most consistent, I, I think. If you made me pick one, yes, Kessinger was the most consistent. But if you made me pick one, I'm going to take Dillard. He fills a different need than Kessinger does. They have yeah. no pop outside of Keenan and Graham, and you don't know how much pop Graham's going to give him as a full-time player at first base or third wherever he plays. Yeah, that's def- definitely fair. That team will will more than likely struggle to hit 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 for power unless a couple of these newcomers kind of have like a Tyler Keenan like freshman season that obviously you can't ever anticipate or see coming. Is there any freshman hitter that you're really encouraged by, excited to see as far as being able to produce from jump? No, I mean it's it's just, it's not. I mean newcomers, yes. Freshmen, no. I mean it's it's Dunhurst, the JUCO guy. It's it's what does Kale Baker and the Leatherwood kid do because they you know, have the potential to hit for power, but you just, you never know if they're going to kind of turn out like, you know, I chase Cockrell where he hits, you know, good in spurts, but really struggled last year. And, you know, at some point though, Tim Elko has to hit, right? Like yeah. that. He's had a good summer. Yeah. And you know, he had a good fall and really kind of winter, winter, winter ball or whatever you want to call it leading up to season last year. He just did. If that team's going to be remotely competitive, that, that dude's got to hit. This time next year, will Mike Bianco be the head coach at Ole Miss? Oh, yeah. This time next year, I think so. Okay. If they're a three-seed in a regional, it doesn't shock me. If they miss the whole thing, it doesn't necessarily shock me. But it's going to have the similar feel to this last last cycle that came through where that 17 class, uber-talented, struggled their freshman year, um, particularly at the plate. And then, you know, 18 and 19, which this would be obviously – I guess 21. I don't know if he's going to have the leash to see a 22 if 21 doesn't go right. But that 21 year is going to kind of kind of be where they have a chance to make a run again, and I guess we'll see what happens. So I think he sees a 2021 because of how talented this class is. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey on Twitter. Works for Super Talk Mississippi. Tell those guys over there, tell Will East, to get you your own hotel room. You should not have to share with <laughs> Hey Dad, who I love, but you're a grown man. We don't share hotel rooms. <laughs> 
it, uh, I'll definitely work on that. I, I might need some uh, outside influencing on that, but I'll definitely yeah. work on that. That just reminded me of that hangover line where he's like, guys, we're not sharing beds. Right. We're adults. We're grown men. We can have <laughs> our own rooms. We have our own incomes. We don't That's need it. to share rooms. Yeah, that's what Alan's like. I'm bucking with Phil. He's just like, guys, we're not sharing beds. <laughs> yeah, not, no. <laughs> yeah, less than ideal. But we only have to do it a couple times a year. Most of the time, we're in different places. It's been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. Check out his stuff on Super Talk Mississippi. Make sure to subscribe, rip, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Go to the old Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Thanks for doing this again, man. Enjoy what limited time you have left in Hoover or just escape Haydab whenever you can. <laughs> Will do, man. Enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to heading home. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.